Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson, a show that is all about helping you to deliver e-commerce wow. Now, I'm super excited with today's guest, who is Adam Pierce from Blend Commerce, about the customer experience before, during, and after the sale. Uh, but before we get into that conversation with Adam, who is, as always, a legend, uh, let me give a quick shout out to past guests uh, and episodes here on the e-commerce podcast. And given that we are in fact talking about customer experience, I thought it'd be great to mention uh, a podcast which was called Personalizing the Customer Journey to Increase Lifetime Value. Check that out with Matt Barnett. Such a great conversation. Uh, Matt, such a Cool. I still remember that. Brilliant, brilliant conversation. Uh, and also check out Kath Pay's conversation where we talked about how to optimize engagement through uh, cycle uh, customer lifecycle marketing. Let me get that right. Uh, so do check out Kath's episode, uh, which was also fantastic. This episode is brought to you by the e-commerce cohort, which helps you deliver e-commerce well to your customers. It is basically a lightweight membership group with guided monthly sprints that cycle through all the key areas of e-commerce. What does that mean? It means every month uh, you come and work on your e-commerce business with like-minded people so you can get a list of actionable jobs to be done. You're gonna know what to work on, when to work on it, and get the support you need to get it done. So whether you are just starting out in e-commerce or if you're a I think I said on one episode, if you're a bit of a dinosaur, if, you're, if you've been around a little while like my good self, you're still gonna be really, really grateful for it, let me tell you. So I definitely encourage you to go check out ecommercecohort.com as it is gearing up for its founder member launch, which is gonna start in just a couple of weeks. It is almost there, yes it is. So if you're listening to this and you still have the time available, check out ecommercecohort.com and take advantage of the founding member launch offer which is not easy to say, but do check it out. And of course, if you've got any questions, just email me directly at matt at ecommercepodcast.net with any questions, because it's something that we're super, super proud of, let me tell you. Now, are you ready? Grab your coffee, grab your notebook, grab your pen. Here's my conversation with Adam. Well, welcome. Uh, I am here with my fantabulous guest, Adam, uh, who is the co-founder and CEO of Blend Commerce, uh, which is an e-commerce customer experience agency. Now, Adam and his team have worked with over 200 Shopify retailers uh, to help them provide memorable customer experiences that drive growth in revenue and profit, 200. Adam, that's a lot of Shopify sites to uh, to work on. So it's good to have you here. It's good to be talking about all the stuff that you've learned. Thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. And I like being called fantabulous. I'm going to use that again, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a great word. I think we should use it more. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can tell by your accent, good sir, that you are, it seems like you hail from the Midlands in the UK slightly. Uh, it's always nice to have a fellow Brit on the podcast, not going to lie. Uh, so where, whereabouts in the world are you? Yeah, so we are about 10 minutes in Stratford-upon-Avon, so right in the, in the thick of Shakespeare country, uh, a couple of hours from London. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice part of the world to be in. But um, yeah, you can probably tell by my, uh, my slightly uh, 
Peaky Blinders accent that, uh, yeah, I'm from close to Birmingham. <laughs> Peaky Blinders. It's been... Do you know what I discovered the other day? And this is not related to e-commerce at all, although I did discover it online. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and I, I bought it for a friend. Uh, was Peaky Blinders Gin. And apparently mm. it's got some really great reviews. I've not, I've not tried it myself, but I, I bought it as a gift because they were a bit of a Peaky Blinders fan. But who knew you could get Peaky Blinders Gin? I know. I think that they've done pretty well off that franchise, haven't they? So... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, missed the boat on that one. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what we can do. Now. A piggy blinders Shopify site, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so how did you get into Shopify? Um, completely, 100% fell into it, um, if I'm honest with you. And I think that's why, why I kind of love e-commerce. But the, the situation was is that I, I left university with kind of dollar signs in the back of my eyelids, thinking, right, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to make my fortune. Um, I went to work for a, quite a big management consultancy firm. And kind of realized after about a year that I don't want to do this. It wasn't what I imagined. And really kind of from that point, I then retrained to be a teacher, was a teacher for kind of three years, taught economics. And then after that, I then decided awesome. again. I just want to know, say that's awesome, being a teacher, well, an economics teacher. It, it was. It was in some respects. But um, yeah, a, a tough job and definitely the hardest job I've ever done. Yeah. Um, by by far, compared to like running a company, you know, it it makes running a company look like child's play. I think it really does. <laughs> but um, basically, my my business partner, who is also my brother in law, uh, he came to me probably about seven years ago and said, "Look, um, he was actually a quantity surveyor. And he said, look, I've, I'm teaching myself to code. I've come across this new Canadian platform called Shopify. I think it's going to be the next big thing." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, don't really don't really think it will be." And I'd basically left teaching and I was working for an educational app company. And I'd kind of been learning marketing, getting more into it. I always kind of had a bit of an eye for business, but then was kind of then a director, uh, an e-commerce, sorry, um, a education app company. And he said, look, let's kind of do something together. So mm. as many good businesses do, we had far too many beers one night, made a verbal <laughs> agreement that uh, we were going to start. And uh, the next day, yeah, we, we started the business. So that was, yes, yeah, so, you know, five years ago. Um, now sort of a team of 19, um, oh, wow. working with Shopify and Shopify plus merchants on customer experience. So yeah, it's been exciting, but I think, you know, look, that, like I said before, Matt, you know, that's why I love e-commerce because you don't have that kind of old boys club that you get with a lot of other industries. Yeah. It's still such a young industry. And I think that's one of keep it, keeps it fresh and is as a nice place to work in. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I tell you, it's interesting that you, 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 you kind of, uh, like a lot of people, you kind of fit, felt your way into it. There was a, there was a very, you know, sort of uh, topsy turvy route which you took to get there, mm. uh, and that that's one of the things that fascinates me. Actually, that's quite a common thing amongst uh, guests that we have on the show. No, no one ever, no one ever started or left university. I didn't uh, leave uni and think I'm going to set up a business and become the king of beauty. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just stumbled into this beauty website Absolutely. business years ago, and it was it was what kickstarted everything. Anyway, fascinating. So here you are, right? Five years later, uh, or what, twenty staff in the agency, nineteen twenty staff in the agency. You focus specifically on Shopify, and before we get into this whole customer experience, before, during, after, um, as per the podcast title. Um, <laughs> Why Shopify? Why did you pick that platform specifically? And why have you stayed loyal to it, I guess, over the last five years? Mm. No, I mean, at the time, you know, when, when sort of Peter started to develop Shopify, it was still obviously in its infancy. And I think, you know, 
the, the solutions really at the time of look, you would either go to Magento, mm-hmm. which is obviously for those big sort of enterprise level companies and maybe sort of mid-market to an extent. And then you also had kind of, you know, these scrappier D2C brands coming up who were kind of using WooCommerce, where they were kind of a WordPress site with a plugin. And ultimately, I think you know, the, the problem was with both those solutions, it didn't fit the model that these kind of new upcoming D2C brands wanted to fit into. Mm-hmm. Magento was too clunky. It was too big. There was too much there. You know, the work, the WooCommerce side of things, it didn't really do the e-commerce thing as well as, as, as kind of people wanted it to do. So Shopify, I think, kind of came into a space that was, was really kind of there for the taking. And, you know, over the course of the past year, you know, sort of five years, you know, we've other platforms, you know, have sort of coming into the market. But, you know, ultimately, look, Shopify has grown so, so much. Mm. There really isn't a necessity for us to kind of look anywhere else. And I think you know, that the beauty of it is, is that, you know, some of the brands that we worked with sort of five years ago were this kind of, you know, sort of very much sort of, you know, an acorn of an idea of growing to these massive companies now. And it's not only can we help service them, but we've also got these other companies that have been coming through the ranks. And then you've got people move from Magento to Shopify Plus. So the market for Shopify is so big and equally, you know, from our point of view, as an agency, if we can specialize in that, that one thing, mm. it just gives more, I think, trust and, and more confidence in the clients that we work with, because they know, you know, when we can turn around and say, look, we've worked with, you know, 199 other people just like you, it naturally is then going to give people that confidence that we've kind of seen some things that they would have experienced yeah. before. So for us, you know, it's, it's still massively important to, to what we do. That's really interesting. So, um, and you're right. I mean, my, you know, from someone uh, on the outside looking in, I suppose, with Shopify, watching it change over the last five years um, and just see the the just enormous amount of funding they've managed Mm. to secure um, for development. It's now a force to be reckoned with, isn't it? I don't actually know how many transactions online go through Shopify, but it seems like Amazon and Shopify are the two e-commerce giants. Uh, Yeah. You know, you... they are, they are a prolific platform, but they've still managed to maintain, I think, really well ease of use. If you're a, if you're just starting out in e-commerce and you're thinking, mm. well, I don't want to go and spend thirty grand on a website. I just, I just want to do what I want to do. Well, Shopify for me, I, I know Squarespace and a few other people have started to dabble a bit in e-commerce, but Shopify, just if you're doing straight e-commerce, I don't know, I don't know mm. of a better platform. Um, if I'm honest with you. No, I couldn't agree. I and mean, I think that's that's what is that is the great thing about it is that it doesn't really matter what level you're at, is that you can jump into Shopify at any point. You know, if you're a multinational retailer that wants to use, you know, the more advanced end of it, you've got Shopify Plus. You know, if you're mid-market, great. You know, mm. if you have an idea that you want to bring to fruition within a week, Shopify is also there for you. Yeah. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next couple of years because obviously you know, the market that Shopify is serving is so much more diverse than it used to be. And obviously, you know, when when Shopify then went to IPO, they then have shareholders and there's all these kind of other kind of levels of things going on. Whereas I think, you know, when they were kind of themselves a scrappy startup, it was much easier to focus on a smaller part of people. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know which way it will go, you know, whether they'll still be able to service that very broad range of different clients. Mm. Um, or do they kind of you know, lean more down the enterprise route, lean more on the kind of the starting route? It's there's yeah, that that is going to be an interesting one with Shopify, I think, in the next few years. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned that people from, say, Magento platforms are moving to Shopify Plus because for years it was always the other way around. You, you'd move from Shopify to Magento because, mm -hmm. really, that was the only thing you could do unless you went and got your own bespoke site written. Um, and so I know a lot of people that move from Shopify to Magento kind of regretted it, if I'm honest with you. I don't hear that many good things about Magento, but then that's just me. Um, but it's interesting you say that people are now moving back because of Shopify Plus. For those that don't know, what is Shopify Plus quickly? Yeah, so Shopify Plus basically gives you additional functionality um, to use on Shopify. Um, but one of the major benefits is that as you, when you go to Shopify Plus, your transaction fees then reduce. Mm. So as you get to that kind of certain threshold of sales, it also then makes more sense for you. Yes, your fee that you're paying to Shopify for your hosting and support increases, but overall the cost of company goes down because the fact is that the transaction fees per transaction is going down. Mm -hmm. um, and what sort of happened with Plus, you know, over the past sort of 12 or 18 months is that quite a few of those features that are there have either been um, dripped down to other packages in Shopify, but yeah. equally there has been some additional things that have come in for Shopify Plus merchants that makes it more worthwhile for them to hang on. So I think the overall picture here is that Shopify were very aware that more of these kind of enterprise level clients were wanting to use it. So, you know, the likes of, you know, Gymshark, you know, all these kind of big brands, Kylie Cosmetics, you know, and they kind of said, look, there needs to be something additional there to pull over those people who are on Magento currently or just mm. keep that enterprise level client happy. So it's just kind of made that more of a, a better yeah. distinction between, you know, sort of, you know, smaller to mid market and then mid market to enterprise. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I, it's always good to sort of uh, pick people's brains about different platforms. Um, but I appreciate that's not the title of the podcast. But I, I think it's it's just good to talk about these kind of things because things are changing so quick. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious. So you um, badge yourself as uh, an e-commerce customer experience agency, right? Which mm -hmm. I think is is a really fantabulous title. Uh, I think it's I think it's it's just something which actually captures imagination a little bit. But um, what do you mean by customer experience? Yeah, so I think this is the thing. Look, you, you can get lost you know, with CX and customer experience as one of those like nice buzzwords. Um, and I think the important thing for me to say here is from our point of view, what we do is that when we have a client who comes to work with us, we are saying you as a brand, you as a merchant, what is it like being your customer before you even click on the website to the point at which you actually make your very final sale? Is there a good experience happening in terms of what you see on site, what information you're getting, how quick things happen, all of those different touch points effectively you would have with a customer, mm. are those things as good as they could possibly be? Because you know, the, the danger is you know, with agencies is that look, a brand can look at an agency and say, well, look, those are the guys, those are the website guys. And the thing is, like, to an extent, yes, okay, we deal with the website, but we have got to make sure that that one singular asset for that company is actually working with all the other elements of their company. So is that website working for the customer services team to allow customer services to provide good customer service? Is it working with the warehousing team that means that the warehousing team can get those orders out as quickly as possible? Yeah. So it, it's all of the things that surround a business, you know, as you will well know, Matt, that are yes, connected to the website, but the customer experience side of thing is that how well do all those pieces fit together? So at the end of the day, customer X says, yeah, you know, 
Jim Sharp, Warpaint, Candy Kittens, whichever company it might be is on Shopify. They're a great company to deal with and I continue being a loyal customer with them. Mm. That's great. So customer experience then, what is it like being your customer? And specifically, what's it like being your customer at the various touch points along the path? Um, what are some of the things that you are looking for when you're asking that question of clients? What are some of the, I guess, what are some of the red flags that continually come up? Mm. I mean, when it when we kind of talk to, to clients, you know, I think that the number one thing is that, you know, we've been living in an age where we are all obsessed with conversion rate on e-commerce websites. Mm-hmm. So if your conversion rate is 3%, every 100 people that visit your store, three people are going to buy. Great. But the issue with that metric is that it is very short term and it is very easy to fudge. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, that when you look at conversion rate in particular, you can say, well, my conversion rate was, you know, 3% in the past three months, but ultimately how much have you spent on getting that customer to the site? Mm-hmm. And what is the chance that that customer you've bought in is actually going to continue to buy from you the second, third, or fourth time? So it gives a very narrow view of what is there. So when we kind of talk to clients, what we're, we're talking to about is that in that particular situation, we're trying to find out from them, right, what is that cost? What is your acquisition cost? And then typically, how many times do people keep coming back? So essentially, what is your lifetime value or customer lifetime value? What is the value that each customer could potentially bring to your business over a longer term period? But but when it kind of comes to those red flags, I think, you know, the, the thing is in terms of looking actually their sites, it tends to be things like, for example, get 10% off now for your first purchase. Now, a lot of people are going to be saying, well, hang on a minute, that's just a, a common technique that's used in e-commerce. It is a common technique, but the, the question is, is that, you know, in that particular scenario, are you actually attracting that right type of customer? So we've all done it. We've all been there. We've all gamified it. You sign up to a brand, you get the 10% off, you get that first purchase, you never shop with them again. So alternative methods here in terms of that customer experience is when they don't see that and what they might see alternatively is let's say, for example, a quiz, which will say, look, um, get your free uh, personal care skin, uh, personal skincare regime from us. You then enter some different information about your lifestyle, about your skin, about what you're looking to achieve with it. That is setting them a much better path and then realizing that that company is going to give you a lot more than just that 10% discount. So it's that, you know, in terms of that kind of before the sale, those are the kind of things that we look at from a customer experience point of view that make the customer evaluate you as a brand rather than kind of going down that standard, okay, well, let's just go at 10% off. Mm. That's uh, it's a really good point. And I, I like how you talk about that, how the quiz actually in the mind of the customer increases the value that you're giving them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it increases the value because you're being a lot more helpful, um, which I think is, uh, we're going to come back to that, circle that um, idea about being a bit more helpful. So I guess my my primary concern here, uh, Adam, if I'm honest with you, is when I hear that, I go, I resonate, but do you know how easy it is to put on the website 10% off your first order versus creating a quiz and all the content that goes alongside that, right? So um, how do we, how do you wrestle with that? Mm. No, it's a really good point. Um, I think, you know, look, there's there's two things I would say to that is that one, the ability to to have those on-site quizzes now has been made a lot easier. And there's some great tools that like Octane AI, for example, 
they have a, a brilliant tool that allows you to do this with relative ease. But the other thing is, it, it's actually the value from those two different activities. So let me give you an example. If we say, for example, have that site with a 10% pop-up, ordinarily what will happen is you will put in your name, you'll put in your email address, and that's the data that essentially the, mm -hmm. that brand has collected. Now, in an era, you know, when look, you know, we've got third-party cookies going away, zero-party data has become more important, acquisition cost is super high. If you've managed to get some information from a customer, does that warrant the cost that you've you've paid to get that person to site? On the other hand, if you have a quiz that allows you to find out, okay, well, if again, if it's a beauty brand, if it's a skincare brand, what type of skin this person has, what they do for a living, what their lifestyle choices are, do they have children? There's all of these different data points that you can collect from that quiz and then tie in with your email marketing platform like Clavio, for example. Now, mm. what that means is that those two activities that you've done, you're going to get an email address and a name versus all of these different data points that you can use as what I would say chances to market to that person. So if yeah. you come to my site and you've done that quiz, I can personalize our welcome flow to you with, and if you tell me that you've got oily skin, my message to you will feel like it's directed at you because I'm talking about products for oily skin. The next opportunity if you don't buy might be that I'm talking about, you know, um, busy entrepreneurs um, who have kids, for example, that's mm -hmm. going to be the next piece of content. So again, it gets to resonate with you. So yes, there is a bit more work involved there, but the uplift in the value that you can get from the data that's there is so much bigger than just mm. having that individual address because you're, you're not able to glean anything with it. You know, you, you mm. can't, you know, a lot of the time when it comes to that collecting the email address, you spend, you know, quite a few weeks and even months trying to eke that information out of people with a purchase behavior, mm. with the on-site behavior. You're leapfrogging all of that by getting more information at the start to then personalize mm. that marketing message out to them. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's, in, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that... Um... It used to be, I mean, I, you know, you may have seen this. I've definitely seen this, you know, been around a little while. It used to be that you could just put a website up and people would buy from it. And then that was fine. And then that stopped working. And so then we started using Google AdWords and then that started to work. And then uh, we started to do things like, uh, well, maybe I need to do something else now to get people to buy. And it's always these little tricks that we've been trying along the way. The one that which wound me up the most, I don't know if you've come across it, was the spin the wheel. Hate, uh, hate, oh, hate, I hate. Hate it with a passion. <laughs> <laughs> if that's on your website and you're listening to the podcast, please take it off. Um, and uh, <laughs> so all these gimmicks, all these things, uh, and I, I see the 10% thing being used. We've used it ourselves um, over the years. And I'd say its efficacy has fallen. And so everyone's now looking for the next big thing. But all the, what you're doing, I suppose, in effect, if I listen to what you're saying, is you're, you're, you're trying the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But actually, just something simple as a survey gives you so much data and enables you to actually talk to your customer in a language which will resonate with them, that maybe we should just, it's almost like old school, isn't it? Old school mm. marketing techniques. Mm. It's like, what do they like? Let's talk about that. Do mm. you know what I mean? With your, with your customer. So um, as, a, as an aside, by the way, why do you hate the spinny wheel thing? Well, I think two things. One is the ability to actually extract data is low. Mm. So that's the first thing. And I think second thing is it, it also, it often devalues a brand. Now, what I would say is, look, for some brands that I would say are, you know, low cost items, 
singular purchase, it's all about basically trying to get that impulse buy. So if you mm. kind of had a single product, you know, under sort of 20 pounds under $20, great, fine. But ultimately then you are, again, you're setting that expectation, not only about the, the standards that your company mm. has as a brand, but secondly, what it also does is that it then, it's only going to lead to the next time around that customer expecting to get a discount or a freebie that they got in the first place. So I think it just, it just sets that relationship up wrong from the outset because there is just the expectation you're going to get this kind of gimmicky 10% off, £5, $5 off, free tote bag, whatever it might be, every mm. time you shop. And that that doesn't then again kind of lead to that longer term relationship. So I think you know, if it is all about that singular purchase, you know, stack up your, your ad budget in Facebook, acquire them, get them to buy, get them to go, fine. But if you've got a suite of products or a family of products that you want them to then go through to get a high mm. lifetime value, then... No, steer away. Yeah, I'm with you. Avoid the gimmicks mm. uh, is is usually the best long-term strategy. Well, even medium-term strategy, to be fair. It's just avoid the gimmicks. Uh, they, they usually don't work. So, so we're thinking about the customer who's coming to the website, and we're going, well, let's increase the value ads. Let, let's uh, create more touch points in effect or more data points um, where we can understand the customer better and then we can help them understand our products better and we can find out where there's a bigger bigger crossover. Um, so one point of that is, is the 10% is a survey. What other ideas do you do you have that it maybe can help me uh, add, add a better experience? Yeah, so I think when, when you land on a site, um, you, you've got a couple of different things here. Now, the one obviously of getting people into your email uh, funnel, mm -hmm. you know, with kind of using that quiz idea is one. But I think the other thing is, is that when, because there are so many personalization tools available now, essentially using one of those personalization tools to amend the homepage to make it feel more targeted for that user is also really helpful. So there's a couple mm. of things you can do here. One is obviously for existing customers. So if you're using one of these kind of AI personalization tools, if let's say, for example, you know, I have recently been on the H&M website, um, I've purchased, you know, three pairs of chinos on different colors. You know, it's very simple now to basically amend that H&M homepage when I go next to show three tops or three shirts that go with those pair of trousers that I just purchased. Yeah. Super simple to do that. But equally, you know, when it comes to actually, you know, that initial customer who's maybe not been on your site before is making sure that your navigation is based not on things just like, for example, color, but also things like occasion. Now, what we've seen a lot, you know, particularly with the kind of apparel, um, clothes, uh, apparel and kind of clothing companies the past couple of years is that, you know, when people are coming to site, what a lot of the time they're doing is that they've either got something in their mind they want to go to and they want the full outfit. Or the other thing is, you know, what's been happening a lot is that people are now, for example, using things like Instagram and using Pinterest to say, for example, go and find an outfit that they're looking for. Yeah. So one of the things that you can do is there's a couple of tools on there. One of them is site, uh, which allows you to actually upload an image to the search on a site, which will then go and search visually that image you put up and then find products that then match them. So then again, in that situation, you're giving that customer, you're bypassing that need to go and use all the different search filters. Another one I, I would say, Matt, is that massively overlooked is having a damn good search feature on your site. Yeah. There are, you know, <laughs> the amount of times, you know, you would have you would have seen this, you know, over the years again. You go to an e-commerce site, 
and for example you type in you know blue shirt you then start getting you know blue bed linen because the word blue is yeah. in there you know you and it, it's those kind of things you know, that if you've got a dynamic search option which you know will number one pick out and make sure that you've obviously got that having the ability then saying look it looks like you're looking for blue shirts what size are you and then be able to select medium and then it's going to return just the items back to you that are blue shirts in medium that you can then go and buy mm. super simple to do but just not being done. And, you know, you've got all these big, heavy navigations that people are building with all these different options on. If you can get that customer to that product quicker by giving them, you know, by giving them navigation terms that they understand in terms of things they want to achieve with the product, you've got much more chance of then converting them. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, for me, that as an experience side of thing, you know, that I think that's super important. I mean, look, I hate to kind of call people out, but, you know, look, Wayflyer for me, uh, sorry, Wayfair even, my apologies. Mm. So big, big product selection. Their navigation for me is just unusable. There are so many different okay. types of you know categories to go down, subcategories to get to. What you want on that site is basically telling you your ability to say the problem or the thing that you are shopping for. Or I'm, yeah. I'm shopping for my living room and my favorite colors are black, white, and I like wood effect. Yeah. Great. That it wouldn't be hard to do that, but it's just breaking that process down to make it easy for the customer is something that I think in e-commerce we we can find very difficult to do. I totally agree, and I think one of the one of the interesting things that is happening is there are experts now who are thinking about this versus just a web developer throwing up a navigation which is easy for them to build, right? Um, or or in a way that where they think because the web developer thinks about the site in terms of how they're building it, uh, which is not how customers think about your website. Mm. They just don't think linearly, do they at all? Um, and so I, I, I like that. I, I, let me circle back a little bit. So you, you've talked about three things there. Uh, well, I've not I've jotted down three key headings, shall we say, uh, which we'll get into. One is personalizing your homepage. Two, um, you mentioned. Uh, the navigation, and three, you mentioned the search feature. So uh, let's deal with those in reverse order. So the search feature, um, you mentioned Wayfair. You see, I contrast what you said there with Amazon. Mm. Amazon, I never, ever use their categories, Mm -hmm. ever. I always use the search. And um, we found on our websites that if a customer types something into the search versus using the navigation or you know, the filters or whatever, if they could type it in and find the product, the conversion rate was much higher um, for, because for whatever reason, they just couldn't be bothered to take the time. So the search feature was a really fascinating thing for me. And I, I get what you're saying there, um, that actually having a really powerful search feature is super helpful. But in my, here's the thing, right? Searches, when I go to Amazon, I know what I'm looking for. Or I have mm. kind of theories of category, or do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I might... Like the other day, I was looking for something to monitor power usage. Uh, do you know what I mean? So I was like power usage monitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that when you sell something on Amazon, you can put in these keywords. So when people type in not your name, not your brand, not the exact name of what you're selling, you can come up uh, on the search results. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that uh, in e-commerce, that people don't just search exact phrases. They search these sort of roundabout phrases, mm-hmm. don't they? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of problem you know, it, it's that problem solving element, I think, with Amazon that, you know, we don't probably do enough of on more, you know, sort of standard e-commerce sites. 
Mm. And I think this is kind of the thing, you know, about, you know, I think, look, beauty and skincare are absolutely prime for this. You know, of, look, what what is the problem that we're trying to resolve here? What is the difference we're trying to make? Um, so that's kind of search feature thing really kind of mm. comes into play. And it's the same, you know, with the clothing, you know, to an extent, because again, you're usually looking for that clothing for an occasion, for an event, for a particular, you know, work type that you're, you know, that you work in. So there's all these sort of things that we don't really kind of do enough of. We're too concerned about making it look pretty mm. opposed to getting that customer to that right product, which obviously is exactly what Amazon is the king at. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, 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 I like that because um, we, I remember with Jersey, one of the things that we, we noticed was there were the various types of people that come to your website. And I'm going to talk in very, very headline uh, stereotypes now. So do forgive me. Uh, but we had one group of customers who would come to the site who knew exactly what they wanted. They would bought the product before. They knew they, that was their moisturizer. That was their cleanser. That was whatever it was. I'm buying that. And I want to get to that as quickly as possible, um, which you mentioned. And then there was the other type of customer who came along to the website, a visitor to the website, didn't really know what they wanted, to be fair. Um, they and, and sometimes they could define their problem. So we started seeing uptaking sales when we started to do what you mentioned. So not just brand moisturizer. It was um, shot by skin concern, mm. uh, the oily skin. So they could go, oh, I've got oily skin. I click that and see what products come up. And then I can look at the reviews and see what's going on there. And then we, um, we realized that actually there's people that come to the site who go, my skin's just not right. <laughs> you're like, how do I, how do I help those, right, that are, that are very uh, top level kind of, you know, I've, I've got a problem, but I can't even define it. Right. Uh, have you got any thoughts on on how we can help there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of things I would say that I've seen being done with that situation is um, particularly, I suppose, in the beauty space, having um, the the kind of tester kits is mm. really useful. So if you've you know, for example, like face creams, I think the the one brand that sort of do it, you could order um, a, a kind of testing kit, which I think have a five mils of each of the different blends in. But what it basically did, what was quite smart with it, is that it, when you then got that product, there was then an email flow that went with it that gave them a regime for a period mm. of over three weeks. So what you were basically doing is you, you were asking them to try this, the different products at different points. You were then kind of holding their hand through each one and almost getting to the record the results of what was happening based mm. on the fact that you would message them at certain points. Now, off the back of that, then, depending on what the interaction came back at when they were using each of those products, the follow-up messaging would then be for a discount off the product, which seemed then to be the best fit. So, mm. yes, you know, there's, there is a cost associated with that. But ultimately, if you can make that, you know, a, a low-value purchase of, say, under $10, under £10, you've got that situation where people go, okay, well, yeah, well, I'm going to give this a try. You know, if you call products, you know, if you talk about moisturizer, you know, say 30 to 50 pounds or 30, 50 dollars per pot. And then you can offer something that is, you know, maybe at the $10 or 10 pounds mark, you then got, you know, that willingness of the K where it's 25% yeah. the cost of the full product. I'd rather do that than actually then go full pelt. So I think that's the one side of things. The other side of things is that, you know, I think the, the, the quiz side of things does help a lot with this because mm. you, you, you don't in that particular situation, you don't eat a need to really even go down that route of look, what is their skin type? If you can ask them things about their diet 
and things about how they're feeling generally about their skin. Are you, are you feeling positive? Are you feeling confident? Are you not mm. feeling confident? You can kind of deduce from that which product might be best than to kind of give a shot. So yeah. you, you can do it in that sense. Um, but I think the other thing too is that when you, you know, when you've kind of got those, I guess, sort of inquisitive people come inside who are not really sure what they're doing, having even things like, for example, that automated chatbot in the corner can be also be quite helpful. Now, chatbots, yeah. I think, are a little bit divisive, but there are some fantastic tools now that are very much AI-driven so mm. that when, you know, you have kind of people talking in colloquial terms or you know, saying, I'm not really sure what I need here, almost kind of having those questions in built into that chatbot to then give them recommendations can be very mm. helpful. I mean, I know of one brand who are a supplements company um, and what they actually do is that when you have a customer coming onto that chatbot, they will actually send you a link to book in a consultation with one of their advisors. So these mm. guys are basically uh, people that have, have had relatively decent training, you know, in terms of the use of vitamins, use of supplements, getting them onto what usually apparently is kind of a seven to eight minute call. And in that time, their conversion rate, they were saying is over 30%. Yeah. So it's yes, okay, there's that cost associated with it. But again, if you've got a product that, you know, is, let's say, you know, $100 a month, and you're typically going to keep that customer for say, three to five years, well, hey it's worth it but that's why it's so important to know what your ltv is or know what your customer lifetime value is to be able to make those calls on those what appear more costly you know kind of customer uh, experience and customer um success type of activities yeah that's a really good point that's really interesting how um you mentioned that with the the supplement company the the, uh, the all the things that you've talked about in effect you are basically saying and if I can summarize, Adam, uh, you're, you're basically saying, listen, there are different types of people come to your website. Sometimes they know what they want. Sometimes they don't. Your job is to help them get to understand what they want as quickly as is humanly possible. Right. So if they know what they want, be smart with the navigation, personalize your homepage, be smart with your emails and get them to that product as soon as possible and recommend products which go along with that in terms of cross sells and upsells. It's a, it's a no brainer. Mm. Um, if you if they don't know what they want, you can use tools like quizzes, you can use tools like sample kits and all that sort of stuff to help them figure out what your products are going to make sense. Phone calls, I think, is one of the I don't I'm going to touch on this a little bit because this is a bit of a sore point for me um, in the sense that I have noticed over the years, if I have asked anybody who is, um, well, let's just say a millennial uh, uh, or younger, um, if they come to me and they said, oh, I've, I've got this, this and this, um, I'll say, oh, just give them a ring. Just give them a call and talk to them um, because I'm sure that can be resolved with inside of like 10 seconds. Right. Just give them a ring. Next day, I go to that person. Did you call them? No, I emailed them. No, no, no. That's not what I asked you to do. I asked you to call them. Yeah, yeah I did. I emailed. No, no, no. <laughs> Emailing and texting is not a phone call. There's something quite extraordinary about the power of talking to somebody on the phone. It's like going into the, I can see with the supplement guys, it's, it's like going into the shop and just talking to somebody and then mm. just asking you a bunch of questions and you liking that person and trusting what they've said, you're going to leave with a bag full of supplements, right? Mm. Uh, and I think it's one of the most underutilized tools out there. Uh, completely myself. agree. Completely agree. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's things like, you know, we, we do quite a bit of work with jobs to be done surveys with our mm. customers. So effectively what this means is that, you know, if you have a brand, we will then go and pick out 20 different customers of your brand. 
And what we'll do then is we'll spend usually kind of 45 minutes to an hour with each customer. So there's quite a lot of time involved there. But as you can imagine, the amount of information that you Mm. can get from those calls, it takes a lot of time to process it all, yes. But the value that you can get from that, because it's it's that rawness, isn't it? You know, and it's, Mm. it's that ability of people to actually say what they think. You're never going to get that same response on an email or a survey. Mm. It it just ain't ever going to happen. You, you're not going to hear that tone of voice. You're not going to hear those long pauses. You're not going to hear that joy in their voice when they talk about you know the fact that, look, you once sent them a free sample in their second order, mm. and that's basically what's kept them with you. you know, it, it's all mm. these little things that appear throwaway comments to that customer, mm. but having that chat, it just makes a lot of difference. And I mean, I think the, the qualitative side of, of a customer experience is really underutilized, you know, Mm. things like, for example, net promoter scores, you know, having that very short quiz at the end to say, how was your shopping experience with us today? You know, Mm. people don't believe it. Usually you'll get sort of 25 to 30% hit rate on those. And again, Mm. with that information, you can then fundamentally go in and change your checkout process, change what's Mm. happening on your homepage based on the fact that what people have actually said. And it's, Mm. we're so obsessed with data and e-commerce but it's all quantitative data. We're never looking enough at qualitative. And that's what we've got to get our heads around, particularly in this really, really competitive market that we find ourselves in now. Yeah, such a good point. Just call your customers and have a conversation. Uh, it's, one of the, <laughs> it's just one of the most powerful pieces of, we, of advice I think we can give you as e-commerce entrepreneurs, but it's it's the opposite, isn't it? It's analog. You mean I've got to talk mm. to somebody? I can't just mm. get them to check a check. No, no, you've got to talk to somebody or get a company to talk to them on your behalf uh, who know how to ask questions and elicit information out of people, right? It's just it's just sensible to do that. Mm. Uh, and like you say, the data that comes out of it is unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. And, and it, it changes, I think, your business in major ways. All good, uh, if I'm honest with you. Just circling back to the, we didn't touch on the personalized homepage too much. Um, so some examples of how you think that could work well would be great. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the the benefit, you know, like you were saying there, Matt, with, with some of your customers, you know, they are only interested in that particular moisturizer. They know what they buy. So what is the point in trying to then sell them a new moisturizer when they come to that site? Ultimately, mm-hmm. You know, I guess what you want to be doing is that if that moisturizer sits within the family of products that fit with a particular process is making sure that those products are essentially the hero products when they come to that site. So I think that's important. The other thing, too, is that, you know, when it comes to um, you know, pets is an interesting one as well. Uh, you know, an area that we've done quite a lot of work with over the past few years, would that be, you know, accessories, would that be pet mm. food products? But I think, you know, what we've definitely seen there is that, if you, we have one brand and what enables you to do, it enables you to select your dog's breed via a pop-up when you first come on site. Now we A-B tested this and what was absolutely insane was that when you gave that selection to versus when you didn't, not only did you have a damn sight more time on site because what was happening is that if, for example, like me, you're a French Bulldog owner, your homepage has got a French Bulldog on it. You've mm-hmm. then got references to, you know, different little Frenchy things like Frenchies do zoomies where they kind of jump all around. There was a reference to that on the homepage. So, yeah, it's a bit of work that's involved in it. But effectively what you feel like is I've just found a website for French bull- bulldog owners that produces food for French bulldogs. 
it, it wasn't the case because it yeah. was for all yeah. dogs, but you kind yeah. of get that impression. And yeah. that for me, you know, was, was such a, you know, relatively simplistic thing to do. But it again gives you the opportunity straight away to start off on that that great foot of look, yeah. we're able to personalize for this person. And it's equally yeah. things that you know, like people often, you know, a lot of the time you'll go to a site and say, which you know, which country are you um, visiting from? And ordinarily, what that's to do is to send you to a site that has different currencies on, blah, 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 blah. Um, now, with that, you know, I think what the smarter brands I've seen do with that is then number one, go and personalize the language on that site. And also the references and the imagery that happened. So again, I know an apparel brand that did this. Um, they had basically US, Canada, UK, Australia, and I think Portugal um, were kind of the five different areas where the majority of those okay. companies come from. All they effectively did with that is that when you selected that, yes, okay, currency change is fine. But what was happening is that the imagery that was being used for just mainly the hero images on the collections page and the homepage were all basically shoot, shoots that were done in each of those countries. So straight away, you know, mm. it, it's easy. Like, you know, you, you're going to be doing the shoots anyway. You just mm. put in those little references that allow people to feel like, okay, yeah. this brand is for me in my country for me. Yeah. Made the world a difference. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. And thinking, like you say, about who's a customer, finding information out and just tailoring the homepage to them. Mm. It's Makes all the sense in the world, right? Makes all the sense in the world. And so, um, listen, Adam, I feel like I'm just starting to scratch the surface of what is a phenomenal topic. And uh, I'd love to pick your brains about it an awful lot more, but I'm aware of time. Um, how do people reach you? How do people connect with you? Because I'm sure people are going to have a lot more questions, a lot more thoughts on this. And so um, if they want to reach you, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, fantastic. So if you have a look at blendcommerce.com, uh, an alternative as well, I am quite active on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Adam Pierce, P-E-A-R-C-E. Uh, I post a lot of stuff on there about customer experience, about email marketing, about Shopify. So uh, yeah, do get in touch. Yeah, do do that. And what are you working on at the moment? What's um, what's Blend Commerce working on at the moment? What exciting things are in the pipeline? Yeah, so we have um, we actually have a very uh, large company that has kind of cut its teeth in TV shopping, um, that are now actually um, migrating towards more of an e-commerce model. So we're basically helping them manage that customer experience from having people who call up to kind of TV shopping channels mm. in the US to try to migrate them to having an experience as an e-commerce shopper. So that's really interesting. Um, and I think the other thing as well um, that is um, probably a little bit more unusual, but one that I'm, I'm very proud of and is very interesting is we're actually working with a company who sell coffins or caskets online. Um, mm. And they are disrupting the, U the US uh, funeral market massively. It's a very emotive topic. It's a very unusual mm. brand to be working with. Um, but again, you know, for me, the challenge there is that how do we get that customer experience right yeah. for a very unusual, unique type of offering? So, yeah, we were with lots of different types of brands. We don't kind of just go down one vertical. Mm. Um, so, yeah, all, all very exciting stuff. So, yeah, looking forward to the next few months. Sounds fascinating. And one of the things that's intriguing me about um, e-commerce at the moment, and you've just tweaked triggered it in my head i mean i go on podcasts right and i listen and people interview me and, and they one of the questions is what do you think is coming up in e-commerce and one of my answers to that question is this whole live selling thing which i i 
So your TV guys, I'm really keen to see how they incorporate that in e-commerce mm. because I think it's going to be such a massive deal. Um, but that is a topic for another show, I have no doubt. Now, just in closing, Adam, you said to me you actually have a podcast. Why don't you just give a quick plug for that? Yeah, fantastic. So it's called Shopify Across the Pond. Uh, we have great guests on there who are merchants, who are brands, who provide tech and apps. Uh, and we talk about all different manner of challenges that is going on. Um, so, yeah, do give us a check out on, uh, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Shopify across the pond. That's right. Yeah, Shopify across the pond. Awesome. awesome. Listen, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, delivering all those value bombs. That's such a trendy phrase, isn't it? I just thanks for coming and sharing. <laughs> no worries, and thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, bro. So there you have it. There you've got it. It's right there. Another fantastic conversation with the e-commerce podcast. Huge shout out to Adam for joining me today. What a legend he is now you can get the notes for today's podcast along with all of our complete back catalog over on our newly revamped website at ecommercepodcast.net go check it out love to know your thoughts love to know what you think about the website uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got some great conversations lined up and we wouldn't want you to miss any of them we just wouldn't and in case no one has told you yet today you my friend are awesome